Welcome to another iGrow season at APC. We're so glad you've tuned in. Our church is blessed with excellent teachers of the Word of God, and our hope is that you find today's teaching enlightening, motivational, and encouraging. To learn more about our church, visit theapc.org or find us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's lesson. We've been talking about Proverbs, and I just want to say that it's been a joy for Kevin and I both to uh, be able to have the opportunity to teach these classes. This has been so much fun. I have thoroughly enjoyed this study, and I don't know, they say that the teacher learns a whole lot more than the student, and that is definitely true. I have learned so much through studying this book. So it has been a great time for us. I want to thank the leadership of this church, even though they're not here for the opportunity to teach these lessons to you all. I'm going to do a quick recap on, um, just hit the highlights. We're on the last lesson, so we began with Solomon, the son of David, King David, was the wisest man to ever live, and he is the one who wrote Proverbs, the majority of Proverbs anyway. And he taught us that in the book of Proverbs, he's teaching us wisdom. He's teaching us we need wisdom in our life. And he tells us in, uh, I I believe it's chapter 9, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning. It's the starting place for wisdom. And Proverbs has three main themes that we see over and over and over as we read it. Because as you're reading through Proverbs, it just feels like a, a loose collection of thoughts, of really good thoughts, but thoughts. And uh, But if you look at those, a lot of them, the majority of them, will fit into three categories, and that is morals, our morals, our money, and our mouths. Um, and so last week, my husband did a great job teaching about uh, money. He, he handles most the majority of our money in our house, and so he's he's taught out of Dave Ramsey. So that was that was good. That was a good topic for him. Um, and he taught us some some topics out of Proverbs to apply practically to our lives and to our money to help us to prosper. Because God wants us to prosper. He wants us to do well, so he gives us tools in the word of God so that we can prosper. Um, and then I had spoke the first week about morals, the theme of morals. And I didn't really call it the theme of morals, but it was concerning who we really are on the inside. Who we, what are our motives? What is our driving factors in our life? And um, we talked about the simple, the fool, and the scorner, and the wise. And we discussed the question um, that Proverbs teaches us to ask. Proverbs teaches us to ask, is it wise? Not, is it all right? Is there anything wrong with me doing this? That's not the question. That's the wrong question. The right question that Proverbs teaches us is, is it wise? It's the eternal question, the eternal question with value on eternal things. Is it wise? Because if we ask just, is it right or wrong, then we're really asking, can I do it and still get to heaven? Am I going to be punished if I do this? Not, is this going to be glorifying God? Is this going to bring glory to God? So uh, Proverbs taught us to ask the question, is it wise? But sometimes we can ask the question, is it wise? And there may be more than one answer. Or we simply just do not know the wise thing to do. We don't know what the wise thing to say at that moment is. And then is when we do what Proverbs teaches us that all wise people do, we ask for help. We ask for help. Wise people know when they don't know something. Wise people know when they don't, that's, that's profound. There's something about knowing, okay, I'm simple here. I'm going to get some help. And they're not afraid to ask for help from those who do know, those who have had experience. So now Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, he insisted this. In Proverbs eleven fourteen, he said, Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. So when we don't know, we go get counsel. We go get counsel from somebody who is wise, who has experience. The wisest man to ever live said, Always pursue counsel. A 
those who are wise. When you're not sure, wisdom is always the wisdom of in seeking counsel is always that the wisdom of seeking counsel is wise. But there's something about us humans, <laughs> and we are resistant to other people telling us what to do. We're resistant. Nuh-uh. Nuh-uh. <laughs> exactly. My point. Especially in these three areas, in our morals, in our money, and in our mouth. But we need wisdom in all of these three areas. And again, wisdom is applying in our life the knowledge that we have received from God's word, from his servants, from counselors, from whoever God puts in our spiritual authority. And wisdom works. Wisdom works. So this evening we're going to discuss the final theme in Proverbs, and that is it's our mouth. Now, I don't know about you, but my mouth has gotten me into more trouble than I care to discuss. And so I need wisdom in that area of my life. The book of Proverbs has a great deal to say about the power of our words. There's power in your words. And the entirety of scripture all agree that it is vitally important for us to learn to govern our mouths. The Bible teaches us that our tongue, our mouth, our words have tremendous power. We, we have the power in our mouth to bless and bring life or to curse and bring death. That's not talking about if I curse somebody and they'll die, but I might curse a relationship, and that relationship will die. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. You know that old statement that says, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie. That's a lie. Words do hurt. Words hurt. A word spoken in a moment can destroy trust, it can destroy relationships, it can destroy faith that has been established for years. Our mouth, sometimes it can be the most difficult thing to control. And the words that we say can leave us with staggering regret. I've had that happen. I want to fuck that guy again. Can I reverse that? It doesn't work that way. And it can leave others with irrevocable injury. Well, we can say we're sorry, but they still hear it. They can still feel it. They still remember it. It's, that injury is still there. If we are not governing our mouths with the wisdom. And that's why the Old Testament, as well as the New Testament, offer a plethora of advice warning us about our mouths. I mean, you get to look at this, it's, all, it's in almost every single book. Life and death is in the tongue. The wisdom of God's word, though, is our hope. The wisdom of God's word is our help with our mouths. If we'll apply it, it'll help us. It'll, it'll be that sentinel in our mind saying, mm, suck that up, don't say that, mm -mm. reverse that, before we speak it. Either we will bless our lives or we will wreck our lives with this little member right here. And the Bible says you'll eat the fruit thereof. Now it could be sweet as ripe grapes. If you lavish love upon people, you're going to eat the you're going to reap the rewards. You're going to eat the fruit thereof and it's going to people are going to love being around you. But it could be crow. Have you ever had to eat crow? I've had to eat crow. And I'll tell you what my dad always said. Crow is never good, but it's way better good, it's way better warm than it is cold, so hurry up and do it. As quickly as you can, you go eat that crow. Because uh, the longer it sits there, the harder it gets to eat. That's a little tidbit of wisdom from my old dad. First, let's look at the New Testament and see what the New Testament says about our mouths. James, uh, he doesn't pull any punches. I love the book of James. 
He doesn't pull any punches. He says in James 1.26, If any man among you seems to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religious religion is vain. Okay. In James 3, 5, and 6, he says, Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. Wow, he just punched you right in the mouth there. Drop down to verse 8, he says, But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Okay, James, if, it can't, if I can't tame it, what do I do with it? I take it to God. I take this little member and I say, I'm going to subject you to God, to his authority. Wow. When I read James, it makes me want to put a guard on my mouth. Truthfully, this, this, these verses in James have made me pray, God, help me to speak when necessary Keep my mouth shut when you're not filling it. When it's not the will of God for me to speak, I need to learn how to zip my lip. The older I get, the better I get at that. When I was younger, I had a really hard time with that. Maybe that's some of that gray hair wisdom, right? Hmm. Now, there's an additional challenge that we have in our world today. And we can talk without ever opening our mouths. Because social media and the internet has made it possible for us to carry on conversations, even engage in relationships with people across the globe that we may never, ever even meet. Many people are emboldened behind their little screen. You ever notice that? They'll say things that they have never said to your face. <coughs> this online world can be a scary and a nasty place. But... Spiritual principles of communication concerning our mouth extend, yes, even to the internet. This is just an extension of what you're saying, or at least they should in a Christian's life. Hiding behind the keyboard doesn't exempt us from the accountability that we have before God. <coughs> We're still saying it. I'm still accountable to God. And it doesn't, it doesn't exempt me. His word still applies, whether it's said with my mouth or whether it's said with my fingertips on a keyboard, because you know where it comes from? You know where it originates from? My heart. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 20, 34, out of the abundance of the, out of the overflow of your mouth, of your heart, your mouth speaks. So it came out of your heart, and we're still held accountable to that. God is amazing, isn't he? His word is so amazing. It is timeless. The same word that was written on a scroll somewhere in the Middle East, thousands of years ago, is applicable and applies and is relevant to this twisted culture that we live in today. Think about this. Your words posted online are going to last longer than the words that you spoke with your mouth. That means we should weigh them a little heavier before we post something. Jesus said... Every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account, therefore, in the day of judgment. Every idle word. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. If be careful what we say. Oh, be careful what we say. Whether it's verbally or whether it's a text, that's heavy. Jesus didn't soft soap it. He said, you're going to be judged by every idle word. How many times? I was, just, I was just joking. I was just shooting the breeze. I was just, every idle word is what I'm going to be either justified by or condemned by. That's heavy. So we took a quick snip out of the New Testament, which I could, that's just a touch of the New Testament. So many of the New Testament uh, writers speak about our mouth. We took a little snip out of the New Testament, and now let's, but we're studying the book of Proverbs, so we should jump into the book of Proverbs, right? So, here are 
eight points that Solomon advises us to stop doing with our mouth or our speech. Number one, stop contending. Stop contending. Proverbs 26 and 4 says, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like unto him. Are you argumentative? I think of this. Are you provoking? Do you find yourself arguing about religion or social events or political or doctrinal or social issues? Do we, do we resort to name-calling or to character assassination of people who just, I just don't like them? Are we petty about insignificant things like, like here's what it gets me, grammar. Okay, somebody, somebody put a post out and, and they didn't put the correct grammar and there's the, the grammar police. <laughs> Just to show them that, you know, I got the upper hand in this conversation. Do we need to have the last word in a discussion or a post? Solomon said, stop contending. Don't answer a fool according to his folly. You know those people who respond to every post? They respond to every post. And they don't know that it's okay to just scroll on by. They don't know that. I know that they don't know that. And that the world will just keep on turning. They don't know that. They are the self-appointed post patrol. I like that because my grandson likes the Paw Patrol. That's good. Post patrol. They have to leave their perspective on everything. So we, we don't need to get involved in that mess. When we see mess, just, just avoid mess. Go around it. Keep moving. Just shake your head and move on. Let it go. Right? What's that saying? Don't argue with the fool. Passerbyers won't know who's who. That's what that song, that, that proverb is pretty much saying. Don't, don't, don't engage with the fool because you're going to look like him. You're going to sound like him. You're going to, people are not going to know who's who. Proverbs 29 and 9 says, If a wise man contendeth with a foolish man, whether he rage or laugh, there is no rest. There's no rest. It doesn't matter if they're just joking or if they're really angry. It doesn't really matter. It's not going to turn out good. So just keep on going. Just smile, shake your head. Mm. There's no rest when arguing with a fool. Number two in your um, thing that Proverbs teaches us is stop criticizing. Stop criticizing. Proverbs 11 and 12 says, He that is void of wisdom despises his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his peace. Solomon's saying, only people who lack common sense are going to belittle other people. Just hold your peace. Just hold your peace. It's not our job to critique. It's not our job to critique what other people say or do or how well they're doing or how bad they're doing. Don't open our mouth. Don't prove yourself to be like them. A Christian, as a Christian, we should heal with our words rather than hurt. My brother, he likes to make this statement. He says, be sorry first before you say it. Be sorry before you say it. Catch yourself. Let that, that guard, the Holy Ghost is guard. And if we'll listen to it, it'll give you a check and be like, mm -mm. Don't say that. But sometimes we just want to keep on going. But the Holy Ghost is saying, mm -mm, that's not wise there. So if we would be sorry first, we wouldn't have to apologize later. If we'd think first, we wouldn't speak. James 1 and 19 says, be slow to speak and quick to listen. We need to stop and ask, is this the wise thing to say in this moment? Is this edifying? Is this building up the body of Christ? You know what? Your mama taught it to you. If you ain't got nothing nice to say, you won't say nothing at all. Right? Right? We've all been taught that. But a man of understanding holdeth his peace. Just, again, an understanding person just smiles and shakes their head and zips their lips. Proverbs 12, 18 says, there is that speaketh like the piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. There's a person whose every word is sharp, and cutting, and painful, 
dangerous. But the, but the tongue of the wise is health. That's what I want. I want to have the tongue of the wise. I want the wisdom of God. When you have a conversation with a wise person, you leave that interaction feeling encouraged, feeling uplifted, feeling refreshed. I love having good, long conversations with people like that. I want to be a person like that. Whenever you, whenever we leave their presence, they want to come back for more. I, just, I want to be around you because you encourage me. Max Licato says, Encouragement is the oxygen of the soul. It's wise to be an encourager. It doesn't cost us anything extra to be nice, to be complimentary. A compliment or a little word of encouragement, it, it goes a long way. It takes such little effort from our part. But that connection that you make with just that little word of encouragement, that connection could change everything for the receiver. Maybe they just, what's that? That's good stuff. Yeah, they just, they just needed something. And you know that little sentinel that God puts up in your head and it says, mm -mm. if you'll be sensitive, he'll also put a little sensitive thing there and be like, they could just use the word encouragement. Just tell them how nice they look today. Just tell them how you appreciate just tell them that you recognize their effort in the kingdom of God. The tongue of the wise is health. So if we want to grow in wisdom, and that's the object of Proverbs, right? Then we've got to stop criticizing and critiquing and start edifying and encouraging. That's a pretty good easy start, right? Number three point. Stop complaining. When people ask you, how are you today? They are not asking for our complaint list. That they are not, that, they were just being nice. They were just being nice. Don't hit them with that. That's going to overwhelm them. Right? <laughs> or when, when Facebook says, what's up in your mind? Nobody wants to know about your wife or your boss or your kids or your, that was treating you bad and that restaurant that you went to that you didn't like. And that, nobody wants to know that stuff. careful not to represent the rest of the body of Christ, to misrepresent the rest of the body of Christ by bad-mouthing a, a, a business or a, a restaurant, that's a business, I guess, uh, because maybe we got bad service. We don't want to, we don't want to um, be putting a re misrepresentation on the rest of the body of Christ. But if we do truly have something that's, you know, they, they were a business did us wrong. They were they did us dirty. They cheated us out of finances. We need to use prudence. Use use uh, discretion to be discreet and to settle our differences privately, not publicly. Not on a public forum and, and online. To have you have a grievance against somebody, the online forum is the place for that. That's a that's a one on one. That's wisdom. We're representatives of this church. We're representatives, more importantly, of Jesus Christ. And our testimony as a Christian is on the line with what we say here and what we say here. When we go around complaining or poor-mouthing, we're misrepresenting the goodness of God in our lives. God's been good to me. The, what is it Paul says? The, the small things that I have to deal with here, Paul was like, Shipwrecked like what four times? Boils and oil, all those things. Oh, the little things that affect me here on this earth is nothing to be compared with. Oh, come on. None of us have experienced that. We got we have things to be thankful. Isn't that what Pastor spoke about this Sunday? In all things, in everything, give thanks. Our attitude toward life in general should be an attitude of gratitude. We got so much to be thankful for. So much to be thankful for. If we really have a true complaint, though, and we just got to tell somebody about it, you know, sometimes we just got to unload, right? Let's go and look at Jesus. Let's cast our cares upon him, right? That's what he said. Cast, you got a complaint? Come, come cast it on me. I care for you. I care that they did you 
complaining. Here's what uh, Solomon says in Proverbs 29 and 11. A fool uttereth all of his mind, but a wise man keeps it in until afterwards. A wise man thinks first. A wise, the wise question, is it wise? Is it wise to say this here? That's what a wise man says to himself. Right here, right now, should I say this? Proverbs 15, 28, Solomon says, The heart of the righteous studieth to answer. Studieth. To, they don't just pop off with a response. See, that's where we get ourselves in trouble. Because our emotions, ooh, they'll get worked up. But a righteous man studieth to answer. They're careful how they answer. But the mouth of the wicked has no such filter. It pours out evil things. I'm just mad, so I'm just, everybody's going to know about it. I'm upset. Everybody's going to You did me wrong, whether it was real or perceived. Everybody's going to know about it. But the wise man studieth and says, is this wise? Is this wise to say this? So, point number four, point number four, I can count. Proverbs advises us to stop commenting. Some of these are similar. Have you ever been um, caught up in a, or you come in, you just walk in on a conversation between your friends, and you think you know what they're discussing, and you start offering your two cents, my, my dad would say, uh, and come to find out that you're going in a totally different direction that they were talking about. They are not going in the same direction as me. So far too many people wade into a discussion without taking time to understand the issues that are truly being discussed. It's like walk into it. But Proverbs 18 and 13 says, He that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame to him. This, this, especially online. You ever seen those people who read the headline and then they just got go off on a rant? Or, you know, they don't know the particulars. They just go off on their rant. When um, a wise person sees that, they'll listen to both sides of the debate and the discussion. They probably aren't going to put their opinion at all because they know it's not the forum. But if they do... They're going to listen to all sides of the debate before they jump in and offer their opinion. There are some people who are unaware of the fact that they don't have to comment. Again, that they don't have to comment. If, especially on a controversial issue, if an opinion is optional, the wise opt out. The wise opt out. They just go around it and say, mm -hmm, this is not the forum. Mm -hmm. Proverbs 26 and 17, Solomon shares this tidbit of wisdom. He says, he that passeth by and meddleth with strife, belonging not to him, is like one that takes a dog by the ears. Now, when I was a kid, we used to have a German shepherd dog. His name was Goliath, and he was ferocious. I was petrified of him. Uh, but... There was a boy that was my brother's friend. He came over to our house, and he grabbed that dog by his ears. You know what happened? He got bit. He got bit, because that's what a dog is going to do to you if you grab him by the ears. And so does it happen to you if we involve ourselves in a matter that is not about us, that is not helping. That is never the wise thing to do. Never meddle in someone else's conflict. God cannot, he will not, give us grace to handle a situation that is none of our business. So we have to stay out of it and keep our comments to ourselves. That's the wise thing to do. Number five, stop chattering. The dictionary defines chattering as purposeless or foolish talk. And sadly, much of our talk can fit into this context. Uh, category. And certainly the majority of social media can fit into that category of chatter. Um, I'm not against all social media. Please don't get me wrong. There are some people who use it as a 
um, evangelistic tool, who use it as an encouragement tool, who use it for positive means, and I am all for that. Every day, do that. But not chatter, purposeless, foolish talk. If there's much foolish talk, if there's a lot of chatter going on, we end up getting ourselves in trouble. That's what happens. Um, while it's usually harmless to talk about things, eventually somehow that conversation turns toward people. And that's where we get ourselves into trouble. That's where we can hurt people. That's called gossip. That's just gossip. And it doesn't matter if it's true. It's still gossip. If we're not part of the solution and we're repeating it, then we're part of the problem. So we got to stop chattering. The word of God forbids us to gossip. And so chatter often leads to gossip. Be careful. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. We learn that in like, little kids' class. That's so true. It works throughout our life. So if we hear gossip, we have a responsibility to God and the kingdom of God to minimize it, to marginalize it, to shut it down. Just shut it down. If we choose to repeat it, we're adding fuel to a deadly fire. Wasn't that what James called it? Proverbs 18 and 8 says the words of a tellbearer. Now, a tellbearer is someone who takes a story and just bears it to everyone around. The words of a tellbearer are as wounds, and they go down in the innermost parts of the belly. They hurt so deeply. It doesn't matter if it's true. It doesn't matter if it's not true. If we're tailbearing, we're, we're hurting the body of Christ. Proverbs 26 and 20 says, Where no wood is, there the fire goes out. So where there's no tellbearer, the strife ceases. Tellbearers fan the fire of trouble. I don't want to be a tellbearer. I want to be a peacemaker. I want to be a peacemaker. Jesus said that blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called the children of God. I want to be a peacemaker. You can't be a peacemaker and be a troublemaker. Doesn't work that way. Number six, stop crowing. And by that I mean patting ourselves on the back, blowing our own horn, singing our own praises. Crowing is the sin that everyone else can clearly see except the one who's crowing. <laughs> At this point, um, social media lends itself so beautifully to crowing, does it not? It's like Solomon's saw this generation of social media influencers, right? And he said, that's not wise. See, this is the thing about social media. People do stuff online that they would never do. We've talked about that. Never do in real life. I mean, here's something. In real life, nobody would come up to you with a picture of the ice cream that they just ate and say, look, I just ate this ice cream. Isn't it yummy? Nobody would do that. But we do it on social media, right? Uh, so, Nobody grabs us in the hall and says, at church and says, hey, Sister Allison said something awesome about me. Here, let me take you over to Sister Allison so she can tell you about what she said about me. Because I'm wonderful. No, we don't do that in real life. But on social media, uh -huh, the crowing just continues continually. Oh, how we crow. Social media lends itself to shameless self-promotion. But we forget that the Bible forbids us to brag or to be filled with pride. When, when, we, when we subtly let other people know how fantastic our life is online, and we cloak it with the phony humility of hashtag blessed, the internet calls that humble bragging. One word, humble bragging. The Bible calls that, one word, pride. Pride. Proverbs 18 and 2 says, A fool hath no delight in understanding, but that his heart may discover itself. I don't really care about what, how great your life is. I just want to show you how great my life is. I don't really care what you have to say. I just want to tell you how, how great it is 
in my world. And most of that's not even real. It's just a facade that we put up. I say we. I, I don't like social media very much. I'll put a whole lot up there. And I'm not bashing people who use it correctly, please. Proverbs 27 and 2 says, Let another man praise thee, and not thine own mouth. Let a stranger praise thee, and not your own lips. Moving on. We'll get out of that one. Number seven, stop correcting. The Bible tells us that, tells us a lot about how to react to others, especially when we've been done wrong. The first principle of the scripture is that when somebody does us wrong, we've been, or when we're dealing with conflict, we have to, and we have to speak, we have to say something. The first principle is wait. Wait before you speak. We don't always have to speak, but when we do, we must wait before we say something. And this works great in every relationship. Friendships, work, people, marriages, co-workers, teams, in public, in private, online. Wait. Give you a little time to settle down so you're not popping off. Give you a little time to to slow down and think it out. Sleep on it. Swallow our anger and our pride and our ego that was injured. When somebody insults us or injures us, we need to take inventory of what's my first response. What's my first reaction? Is it to lash out? Is it to correct the story that they're telling about me? The Bible tells us that Mature people quietly ignore insults and injury. <laughs> Sometimes I'm immature, and I want to grow, and I want to be mature so that I can learn to do that. Because they realize that they can quietly ignore these, because they realize that truth is never defended by being unkind or by fighting back. They know that God will defend them. That God will defend those who leave the job up to him. Now, if we defend ourselves and we take the job out of God's hands, he'll let you do it. But he is not going to get involved in that chaos. He is not going to get involved in that mess. He's like, okay, you decided you wanted to handle that? You handle that. And let's see how well that turns out for you. I'm going to tell you, I am a witness. It never turns out good. Never turns out good. God does a better job of defending us than we will ever do. Than we will ever do. If we don't defend or avenge ourselves, God will make it his business to defend and avenge. He really will. I was reading in Samuel today about David and how he, this is a righteous man. He was falsely accused. He was slandered among his brethren, among his family, among his tribe. He was hunted like an animal by Saul for years. I think it's somewhere around 12 years that Saul hunted him. This is a righteous man. This is, this is not right, God. This is not right. And, and it seemed that God kept giving him opportunity to avenge himself. Because, I mean, I read at least two or three times where, you know, Saul come into the cave where David and his entire army was. Or Saul would go to sleep and David and his men would go down and take his spear and his water jug, maybe cut a little piece of his garment off. And David said, the Lord will avenge me. My hand will not be. And we can easily say, my mouth will not be on him. Now, today we don't go out and, you know, you did me wrong, I'll cut your neck. We don't do that. But do we cut with our mouth? Do we cut with our words? It's our response every time somebody will listen, well, they did me wrong. I'll tell you what they did. Believe me, I'm, I'm preaching to myself, not just you. If we will leave the defense up to God, he will defend us. 
Now, he never does it on our timetable. I want God to come down right now and settle the issue. I want him to show them how they are wrong, right? I don't want to do it right now, okay? I'll give you till next weekend, Lord. But come on, right? I want God to do it right now. But God takes, pastor says, tells long stories. It may be five years, ten years, I don't know how many years will be down the road. But everybody will know in the end that you were okay in that situation. They'll know life, God, he will let life work it out. And God will defend us if we will keep our mouth off of it. If we'll keep our mouth off of it. Proverbs 12 and 16 says the fool's wrath is presently known. It explodes quickly. Everybody knows it. The fool's wrath. But the prudent man covereth shame. A prudent, wise person knows that no good is going to be served by verbally sparring in the heat of the moment. There's no good to be done here. He's just going to cover over the situation, probably going to cover it over with prayer. Probably going to go, God, those people don't understand. God, open the eyes of their understanding. God, be merciful and gracious to them. God, be kind. Oh, Lord, lead them. Help them, right? Let God handle it. If someone attacks us, turn the other cheek, right? <clears throat> and turn the other cheek as you're turning to God. God, help them. Help them. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 44, Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. That's the wise thing to do. That's not the easy thing to do, let me just say. It's not the natural thing to do. That's the wise thing to do. And we have to pray for wisdom. James said, if you lack wisdom, ask of God and he'll give it to you liberally. We have to pray for wisdom. We have to pray to have, to be able to express wisdom, right? To grow in wisdom. Proverbs 15 and 1 says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. This is a good verse for Everybody, especially married people. A soft answer turns away wrath. Grievous words stir up anger. If we will employ this verse, we'll save ourselves a lot of headache. We'll save ourselves a lot of long night discussions, right? Because we don't let the, we do not let the sun go down on the wrath. Ooh, that sun. I mean, I don't go down. Maybe the sun does, but I don't until it's all done. Solomon was a wise guy. And I'm certain that he, he learned much of this with hindsight that's 2020. Because he was needed Proverbs for guidance and wisdom for the generations to come. Finally, the final point uh, is stop conversing. Now we've heard the modern proverb that God gave us two ears and one mouth so that we could listen twice as much as we thought, right? But some people just love the sound of their own voice. And they're constantly conversing with anybody who will listen. Any innocent bystander. Some people say, you talk to a signpost. Some people just love to talk. You know that person who you cannot get away? I can get away from just about anybody. But there are some people I just cannot get away from them. I cannot. They, they just hold me captive and I can't get away from them. You know, when you're at Walmart and you're just like, oh, God, I don't have time for that conversation. I don't know where it is going to go. They'll talk your arms and legs off, you know. Uh, my brother used to say my dad talked so much, he could cut his ears off and he'd still hear him through his nose. <laughs> my dad says that there's two kinds of people in the world. There's those kind of people who talk because they have something to say. And there are other people who talk because they just got to say something. I don't want to be that. The latter person is the person we're talking about here. Wisdom is not gained through talking. Wisdom is gained through listening. Wisdom is gained through listening. Those people who talk because they just got to have something to say, 
If wisdom was gained through talking, they'd be brilliant and genius, right? Unfortunately for them, it's not. It's hard for us to learn when we're talking. It's hard for us to hear when we're the ones making the noise. We've got to learn to listen. Be still sometimes with the mouth, right? Proverbs 17, 28 says, Even a fool, when he holds his peace, is counted wise. Wow. Even a fool, when he holds his peace, is counted wise. And he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. Oh, they're so wise. They, just, they never talk. They might be mute, but we're going to give it to them that they're wise, right? We've all said something that we regret. We've all said things that we regret, sometimes, somewhere, someone or other. And if we hang out on social media for very long, we might have even posted some things that we regret. Then we try to delete it before anybody else reads it. Right? Sometimes it's just wisdom and good to stop conversing. Stop conversing. And this is what Solomon was teaching us. It would be better to go talk to God about it than to go talk to anybody else. I think we would do well if we would have more conversations with God than we have with people. We get that in, invertly. We get that backwards. And that's where we run into trouble. Proverbs 10 and 19 says, In the multitude of words, there wanteth no sin. That's that chattering we were talking about earlier. In the multitude of words, there wanteth no sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. If there's enough talk going on, we're going to end up sinning with our mouth. Wow, that's what Proverbs says. Talk long enough, and you can just count on it. There was going to be something going on, coming out of my mouth that I ought not be talking about, that I got no business speaking about. That I got. That's the word of God. He that refraineth his lips is wise. If we hold back and will just listen more than we talk, then we're going to be more wise. Now, that's another easy way to become wise, right? Just more often than, what is that they used to say? You're doing this, and you need to do this. That would be wise. That's why Solomon would take so much time in Proverbs and give us numerous principles to govern our mouth. As we read through Proverbs from now on, as you read through Proverbs from now on, I want you to take note of those three themes that you see repetitively. Morals. When I say morals, I'm not talking about sexual things. I'm talking about who you really are inside. What is your driving force? What is your motive? Your motives. You could say motive there, but is it moral? Your, mo your morals, who you really are. And Proverbs warns us, watch your morals, watch your money, watch your mouth. And if we'll do those things, we'll grow in wisdom. In the multitude of words, there wanteth no sin. Saying says, talk is cheap, right? No, talk is not cheap. Talk is not cheap, it's powerful. Talk is powerful. The words that we speak are powerful. They hold the power of life and death in our tongues. We can bless or we can curse. We can build up or we can tear down with our mouth. Our mouth holds eternal potential. You just think about that. What a little member that kindles such a great fire. That fire could not could be a positive thing. You could set people on fire for God with just this little member. You could set passion on fire in your own life by speaking positive to yourself in songs and hymns and spiritual songs and the promises of God and the word of God. It's what we let come out of this powerful little member. That's why Solomon wrote, Whoso keepeth his mouth, Proverbs 21, 23, Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue, keepeth his soul from troubles. Wow. I want to keep my soul from troubles. You know, I can, I can trace a lot of troubles in my life back to this little thing right here. Man, I just want to put a gag on myself sometimes. A lot of trouble started right here. If we'll put a guard on our mouth, you know what we're doing? We're putting a sentinel around our soul. He that keepeth his tongue 
keepeth his soul from trouble. God help us to grow in wisdom. God help us to grow in wisdom concerning our mouth, concerning our conversation, even the conversations that we have in our own mind with our own self. Almost probably just as important to me, the conversations that I have within myself. You, you can talk yourself into a good day, or you can talk yourself into a bad day. You can talk yourself into faith, or you can talk yourself into doubt. You can talk yourself. That's how powerful this thing is. And it doesn't have to come out here. You talk right here just as much, more. Even the conversations we have with ourselves. Remember that the fear of the Lord is the beginning. It's the starting place of wisdom. So let's ask the right question. Let's ask, is this the wise thing? Is this the wise thing? Is this pleasing to God? I, I want to be pleasing to God. I believe all of us want to be pleasing to God. But we have to be intentional in these three areas of our life, in our morals, in our money, and in our mouth. We have to be intentional to please God with those three areas. So let's close tonight, and let's ask God for wisdom. Let's pledge to be intentional in pleasing him with our morals, our money, and our mouth. God, you are a gracious God. I am so thankful for your long-suffering and your gentleness, your tender mercies, the mercies of God that are new every day, and I have needed them, Lord. I ask you, Lord, to help me to grow in wisdom. Lord, I pledge to you to be intentional in seeking after wisdom, for my morals, for my money, for my mouth. I want to represent you well, because I want to be a representation of your kingdom. And I want to prosper in your kingdom. I pray your blessings upon your people. I pray the blessings of the Lord be upon them and go with them and keep them and lead them and guide them in all wisdom and in all truths. 